for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. TNT Radio. You're listening to Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. For those of you who are just joining us at the top of the hour, and we've got an, an amazing guest for our next hour as well. Now, if you missed the first hour, I was talking about Prince Charles, allegedly, and his prostate. Not that we want to hear about it, but I can assure you any treatment he'll be getting will be very different to the treatment that you get. And he is an advocate of homeopathy and natural uh, health. There is a letter from him in the Gerson Clinic down in Mexico supporting the Gerson therapy. And we all know J.D. Rockefeller lived forever and the Queen Mother and uh, the other bloke that was married to the Queen. I mean, how old was he? He was almost embalmed when he walked out of the London Clinic. But anyway, we were told this. Now there's an increase in people looking uh, to have investigations as reported by Macmillan. I've told you about uh, how um, oncology drugs have exponentially increased to over 100 billion in revenue. So this is not about um, making you healthy. This is about rinsing you of every drop of blood before you go. Now, the NHS, the National Homicide Service, as I call it, um, we know what happened during that first lockdown. Um, 90,000 elderly were removed from the NHS to save the beds and they were moved into the care homes and many of them died. That's where most of the deaths were. I'm not going to go into that. You've heard me saying it all. Uh, oh, ju- just just in case I forgot, just in case you did miss the first hour, you need sal palmetto for your prostate. You need zinc. You need loose underpants and you need to eat lots of fresh fruit and vegetables. Cut down on your alcohol, cut down on your red meat. There I said it and ejaculate regularly. That's a fact. I'll say it all at the end as well. But look, the NHS, we saw the nurses dancing and the doctors. I'm a dancer. Uh, it's it's my hobby. And I have to practice and practice and practice to get my routines. So we saw empty hospitals. To get those routines, they must have had a lot of free time on their hands. We saw them using PPE gear. Uh, lots of it was purchased. And Michelle Moan, the bra woman, got very wealthy on it. Um But we saw them. We saw them getting uh, discounts, food parcels. The NHS were advertising on their website. If you'd like to give a discount for our staff, you can advertise here. That's called racketeering. So the NHS were racketeering. Now we see that uh, we've only got half the amount of beds that we had a couple of decades ago. We've got virtual beds for your virtual bed sores, your virtual heart attacks. We are seeing... uh, what's coming in physician assistance where they can just do a couple of years training. What's that all about? So you're going to get people going to the doctor thinking they are getting a doctor, but they're not. They're getting someone who's done a minimal amount of training can go on the GMC register for a lot less cash. You're getting nurses that are are trained in this and they are going to be making diagnoses and they'll be going, going on to these AI-generated algorithms. Uh, uh, and what, what is that? Well, I'm also, I was one of the inaugural nurses for NHS Direct, and we used what was called the TAS system. So someone would ring up, and if they had a symptom, we would write that in, and it would open a box. And if they had other symptoms, more boxes, and then it told us the advice to give them. So technically, they didn't really need us. We were just reading it off a screen. Now, doctors now are given guidelines If they sway from those guidelines, 
they're not insured. Now, you all know what the guidelines are during COVID. It was NG159, 163, 191, 27.2, 27.7. Now it's 29.5 if you're 18 and over and you are diagnosed with a pulse, uh, an oxygen saturation monitor on your finger, loads of anomalies with those. Um, you could then be denied food, water and essential medication if you don't get better with minimal treatment and placed on end of life care. If you are what's called critical frailty score five, that means you can dig a hole in your garden for a plant. But you can't dig a grave. You might have epilepsy or diabetes. But this is the NHS. So I, I really no longer have respect, as a lot of people don't, for the doctors, the nurses that are behaving appallingly. You are the natural nurse army. I've spoken about this. My personal interaction with the NHS, I was utterly utterly appalled. It was dirty. The food was outrageous, absolutely outrageous. Therefore, nobody on that ward had any idea how much nutrition, protein, etc. you need for healing. And if you are the nurse or the doctor, then it's, it's all your activities of daily living. You should know everything for that patient. But this is our NHS. And if you look at the NHS, it's, I believe it's a cult. And it ranks in the lowest third in the world for treatments available, treatment outcomes, waiting times. It's on a par with a poor Eastern Bloc country, but you're paying for it. You're paying for it out your tax. Well, I don't really respect many doctors anymore. When anyone tells me they're a doctor, I say no one cares. That's the first line out of my gob. Um, we've heard Dr. Dave Cartland recently, who has had the most horrific experience and nurses and doctors are slowly filtering through and telling him they're scared, what they're seeing. As you know, I got struck off by the NMC. I don't care. I see it as a badge of honour. They were taken over by the government in 2001. One doctor I have immense respect for, incredible respect for. And he also came to my attention with the great NHS heist. And it's GP, Dr. Bob Gill. Dr. Bob Gill, welcome to the Kate Shimrani Show. Medical Crimes in tyrannical times. This is what my show's called. So Dr. Gill, tell us, you've just listened to me basically take out an AK-47 and sort the NHS out. Um, it's appalling and we have to pay for it. No beds, the beds are half, what's going on? Well, what, what you describe, you highlight many points which I recognize and what's happened is in effect, you've had a corporate coup of the NHS. And this has happened over several decades, uh, what some people call radical in incrementalism, whereby you're left with a logo and you're left with a public perception that the NHS is still there. But what we have is something that has been asset stripped, corporatized, very management heavy, removing clinical autonomy, and conditioning a workforce to be very compliant, uh, not to use their clinical acumen, do as they're told, follow orders, and stick to the protocol. Now, those points That's... you raised, I absolutely wow. recognize. Um, you mentioned the beds. Well, what's happened with the beds? You're right, we've lost 50% of them. Uh, what does that mean? There's not enough beds for people to get into hospital. This month, I believe there were 50,000 people waiting on a trolley for more than 12 hours after the decision has been made that they are sick enough to need admission. 
Now, we know wow. one in 80 people in those circumstances will preventably we'll, die. Will die, that's right. And now, you know, the NHS I defend doesn't exist anymore. What we have is a corporate cash cow, which is overseeing the neglect of patients. So imagine elderly people in corridors waiting to be admitted, not being monitored, not seeing a doctor, being fobbed off by non-doctors, not even being assessed properly. Um, you know, I, I had a case which I pushed with the relatives to the coroner um, after a two-year battle to get a hearing, whereby a, an elderly lady in her 80s, physically in good shape, bit of dementia, was left uh, waiting in a room on her own for seven hours after a blatantly obvious perforation of her bowel. So she was in acute distress, semi-conscious, developing peritonitis with an obvious with an obvious perforation, and only when she arrested did she get the attention that she deserved. And all of this was brushed under the carpet, I'm afraid, in the coroner's inquest, where they refused to look at that seven-hour period where they misdiagnosed her. Dr. Gill, can I just ask here, first of all, uh, I'm going to say it because I've said it lots of times. Don't send me death threats. I've already had them. You don't scare me, folks. Um, coroner's court, police, doctors, Freemasons, funny handshake brigade. A lot of them are Freemasons, and I know this, and I've been told by so many doctors that don't want to be in it. Um, and I'm talking, I'm not talking the good for it. There are some at the bottom. You never know the tear above you. Um, they all stick together. They won't speak out against one another. But, 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 but. Forget them. Nurses have a code of professional conduct and uh, you are accountable for both your actions and your omissions. Surely, surely for your love of humanity. Why did you enter nursing? Um, I know of a nurse clicking her fingers and left patients lying in urine and feces that denied them food and water because the student nurse is having counseling for PTSD. She's left nursing. She even gave me your names. I know who you are and where you work. And it was murder. And uh, she just clicked her fingers and then they gave huge doses of benzodiazepines and opioids. The patients were crying for a drink. Why? Why are these nurses not going in there or doctors, doctors following their GMC code. They can't blame it on the management. Why for their love of, of that humanitarian, that vocation, the reason they entered this caring profession, why are they allowing this? Well, I think it's a cultural problem. So in order to repurpose the NHS into a cash cow rather than a service interested in making people well, You've had to have this very powerful top-down management structure, which if somebody does speak up in the patient's interest, either they're ignored or they come to some professional harm. And this sends out a very um, strong chilling effect to everybody else who realizes, hang on, the last person who spoke up, look what happened to them. They and commit suicide. They commit suicide, Dr. Gill. And yes. I, was show, I was showed a document at a hotel in London, mm. I was showed a document by somebody very high up in the NHS, and it was a, a sort of flowchart to lead doctors to suicide who whistleblow. As God is my witness, I saw that document, I was shown it, 
And there is a set protocol to put pressure on the doctors to lead them to suicide should they whistleblow. I'm not lying. As God is my witness and I sit here, you know, I'm a Christian. That is what I saw. Well, you know, that that intimidation, that psychological warfare is all there. You know, I've been supporting for over a decade a very um, famous whistleblower in the UK, Dr. Chris Day, who the taxpayer has spent out over a million pounds just to stop him presenting his evidence. You know, during his tribunal, 90,000 emails that the hospital trust had were destroyed. A whole email account was destroyed. Um, you know, a witness, key witness for the trust didn't turn up in the court and the judges fi- find in favour of the court without hearing the evidence and with ob- obvious, uh, you know, procedural irregularities, to put it mildly. But the other, other phenomenon staff suffer we all suffer as human beings, is the lack of leadership. We like to follow leadership. If you have a leadership which is compliant and complicit, it's very hard to push back against that. And you get the normalization. You get the institutional culture normalizing what goes on. So you might start off as a young doctor or nurse saying, you know, that that treatment of that patient isn't very humane. But when everybody else around you ignores it, it soon becomes normalized and you no longer see it. That is the problem. So people are psychologically trapped. Uh, They're told there's not enough resources. They try and do the best they can and there aren't enough resources. And in in their own heads to survive, they have to say, well, I'm doing what I can. I can't fix the system. I'll concentrate on patient one and patient two, but patient three, nobody else is interested in. So I'll just keep my attention blinkered and not see the damage being done just around the corner. So patient three, four, and five, folks, if you're fortunate to get to be an elderly person, which is looking unlikely with the government plans, that could be you lying in the hospital bed who doesn't have a relative there advocating for you. Maybe you don't have a power of attorney. Maybe you have no next of kin. And there's nobody going to be shouting up for you or looking after you, or maybe... The government has decided, uh, because now they put it into the hands of the World Health Organization, who've got nothing to do with health, um, that they have got the pandemic treaty and there's another pandemic. So they're going to lockdown and you're not allowed in the hospital, as we saw before. So we can't see what's happening to those elderly people who don't have enough people looking after them. That could be you. This is a very, very real and frightening scenario, Dr. Gill. I personally, I will say this, I personally have no time for any nurse who doesn't see it because I see everything and I believe you see everything as well. I believe that's why you have spoken out and you have um, been involved with the great NHS heist. And I'm sure that this has come at, um, I'm sure it's not made life very easy for you to speak out. And I I agree there is no NHS, it's just a front. But I will say for you doctors and nurses that are are ignoring it, it means you're complicit. If you are walking past that patient who is suffering, and the word patient means to suffer, to endure, that could be somebody's mother, then you you are complicit in a crime. We're just going to go and have a quick word from our sponsors. Never before in history has it been more vital for you to look after your own health 
so that you don't need to go into hospital unless it's absolutely necessary. And buying from the TNT shop keeps us on air so that you can listen to amazing guests like Dr. Bob Gill. We'll see you in a minute. Now, as we move into an election year in US politics at a time, when the Western empire is under attack from within, as if an orchestrated decline is the plan. Whilst at the same time, the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behavior and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit, and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account, except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's News Talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody, and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored news. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Nobody's ever been able to censor me. Never. Ask my ex-husband. Anyway, we are talking today about the great NHS heist. Now, let me just go back because I know everybody got a bit nervous and a bit bum twitchy when I mentioned about during the Nuremberg trials... Uh, many nurses and doctors went to jail, many went to jail for life, and some of them were hanged. And that law hasn't changed under the Rome Statute. What did they get convicted of? Giving experimental drugs, uh, starving patients, letting them die of exposure uh, and coercion. And this is nothing new. We're seeing it now. Now, during those times, any doctors and nurses that spoke out and didn't want to kill the patients, first of all, the children, the disabled children. And a lot of the um, acts that were passed at that time are exactly what have been passed now. They're identical. Well, the nurses that spoke out were immediately dismissed. The rest joined the Nazi party. The nurses that gave up babies and their whereabouts and then later children were paid four Reichmark. And when they were brought into the facilities, they were paid another four Reichmark. Mm, I kind of liken that to your NHS discounts, your seal clap on a Thursday night during lockdown, your hero status, your priority shopping. That's all seen as bribes. It's in your code of professional conduct. Go and read it. Anyway, when I was doing my independent nurse prescriber, there were 60 of us in the room and 58 of them put the fear of God in me that they would soon be prescribing drugs for patients, top three causes of death, heart disease, cancer, and prescription medication. These nurses were gonna be prescribing it. This was terrifying for me, considering a huge portion of them didn't even know what ATP was in the lesson, basic biology, and had to ask and write it down. And many of them failed the exam. Dr. Gill, they are bringing in 
physician assistants. This is quite frightening. Tell us what that is. Well, things have moved on quite fast. They're no longer assistants. They are associates. Uh, a name particularly designed to be confusing, starting with physician, for example. And what we have afoot is a government plan to replace doctors, to substitute doctors out of healthcare. Um, so they're, they're deliberately not settling the junior doctor dispute, which you said at the beginning would have cost one to two billion. Meanwhile, they're squandering money like there's no tomorrow. We had the whole PPE scandal and the lockdowns, you know, 37 billion, if I remember rightly, was flushed down the toilet. So now they're bringing in this substitute workforce. The majority of people who apply to become physicians associates are healthcare assistants who have very little in the way of, uh, you know, higher education. Are you, are you kidding me? Healthcare assistants, healthcare assistants. That's Margaret who used to work at Tesco, shelf stacking, and she wants to be a nurse, but doesn't have any GCSEs. So she's exactly. going through the, um, oh my word, and she's going to be sitting as a physician. And I'm sorry, you... but I am going to laugh at this point. For all you lazy ass doctors, you consultants, I met one of you recently, you weren't in the ward because you were on strike, who were on massive money, and you went on strike. I would have kicked your backsides right out the door for striking. But anyway, justice is coming. So now Margaret from the shelf stacking in Tesco or LD is going to be a physician's associate. Oh, my word. So, yeah, so you have you have other people who've done a basic science degree who can have two years of what they call medical studies with it, then to do an exa exam with a 100% pass rate. Now, these people are going to be paid more than doctors. They're going to be supervising junior doctors. And they are increasingly pushing to get prescribing rights. Um, oh. We had a contro controversy in Leeds where, where PAs were asking for, you know, uh, imaging and exposing patients to radiation without any authority whatsoever. Over a thousand cases uh, where they... You know, they're not they're not in a position to be organizing scans and things, because with all these scans, there is a potential for harm, exposing people to radiation unnecessarily. You know, if they right, and it's a, Dr. Gill, it's a cumulative. This exactly, is what people yeah. don't realize. If you have a is it if you have a CT scan, you'll get nine years worth of radiation in one go. Yeah, and you, you so if you're young, it's a cumulative. You'll get cancer later from the iatrogenic, the disease-causing effects. So you've got these shelf stackers. I'm sorry for any shelf stackers. I'm not insulting you. I'm just saying now's the time if you want to suddenly get a profession to apply to be a physician's uh, associate. So these people are ordering these iatrogenic tests, disease-causing tests. Uh, yeah, they're, super they're supervising doctors. They're senior to doctors. They are asking doctors to sign off prescriptions and other things for patients they haven't seen. So, th so the amount of abuse and irregularity is becoming endemic. Um, at the moment, they're pushing through Parliament a change to the Medical Act 1990, uh, 1983, whereby these people will be regulated by the General Medical Council, furthering the confusion in the public eye. So they'll be thinking, well, they've, they've got to be half decent because they're the same regulator as the doctor. So 
there is deliberate confusion, deliberate dumbing down. You mentioned the strikes. Um, I disagree with you in terms of the need to strike. <laughs> You're allowed. However, <laughs> however, what the BMA and the uh, messaging continually fails to do is to say, look, if if we cannot keep hold of doctors, there's going to be a massive patient safety implication, right? It's obvious, yeah? At the moment, the UK is the biggest training facility for Australian doctors. We're exporting them all because they're leaving a failing and dysfunctional system. Now, that's not good sense for them. They're having to leave their families. It's not good for the taxpayer and it's not good for the country. So the government need to keep the strikes going so that the doctors shoot them in the shoot themselves in the foot without explaining properly why they're striking. They risk damaging their own reputations. Meanwhile, this substitute workforce is being introduced and it's very dangerous times, I'm afraid. So we have a situation also where deliberate bottlenecks are being created for career progression for doctors. So they're, they're not creating enough training places, but they're creating new training places for PAs to slot into those opportunities. So you're getting surgeons who aren't getting any time in theatre because the PAs there, their training is affected, their career opportunities are uh, affected. For general practice, I'm, I'm a GP, I train other GPs. For every one application to get onto a GP training, so that is you've already done your medical school, you've done two years in hospital, now you're deciding on a speciality, another three years in GP, in order to get onto that training scheme, there are three applicants for every one place. And they're telling us there's a shortage of GPs. That's why they're bringing in the PAs. So you can see this is a setup. You create a deliberate bottleneck and you say, here's a solution. And the solution will kill the patient. Absolutely. And Dr. Gill, a lot of, most of the GP practices are now privately owned and they have partners and they employ a business manager. So from a business point of view, I'm just putting this to you, it would be actually in the best interest, wouldn't it, to, to hire some people, pay for their training, put a clause in the contract that they can't leave because you've paid for their training, they've got to work for you for several years. Then you could claim all that back in tax and you could have the little Hitlers that work on the desk in a lot of these GP surgeries, you could have them sitting in the chair at a cheaper price. I'm just saying, I, you know, well, I think it, of everything from a money making. Yeah. It is worse than that. It is worse than that. So in 2019, uh, given this manufactured crisis of the workforce, the British Medical Association, our union, I pay membership fees to our union to defend our interests, which happen to be, I believe, aligned with the patient, they said, right, in order to in order to uh, solve this recruitment problem, we are marketing and promoting this government scheme. What is the government scheme? That you will be 70 to 100% reimbursed if you employ non-doctors. Wow. See, I was right. And without <laughs> a vote of the membership, the BMA pushed this through. And I, I went to that conference in 2019 in Belfast specifically to say you are making a disastrous move and you are betraying the profession and you are betraying our patients. You're dumbing down service provision. The other fact, the other incentive that the uh, the leader gave us, Dr. Richard Vautry, 
he said, well, don't worry, because we, we expect your insurance indemnities to rise, implicitly accepting this is dangerous for patients. Well, otherwise, why would the insurance indemnity rise? But don't oh, worry, bet. because the taxpayer will foot the bill. And he got a round of applause. Oh, my word. So, folks, just get this into your head. They know that they're going to be killing you because they are leaving you with, with care that is so substandard. They're going to be ordering tests that are going to cause your disease. Like if you're having endless chest x-rays, CT scans, even bone scans, PET scans that you don't need, giving you drugs, that could kill you. And also, Dr. Gill, there is that thing of unless you really know your drug, uh, you can give two drugs together that would separately would would not kill you. Give them together, they'll kill you. And the lethal dose, I, I'm, I'm always afraid of prescription medication when people get scripts. They know all this and they say, don't worry about it. You've got insurance and the taxpayer, that's you folks, is going to pay it. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, people, but I think I've been correct all the way along. It literally is the National Homicide Service guaranteed to get you to your final destination, not at a fraction of their cost, but at your cost. Um, what what would you like to see happen, Dr. Gill? I think that our biggest problem is the government have a very sophisticated um messaging operation they call it behavioral modification they call it you know it's like a psychops basically they nudge the population with various messaging uh, repetition uh, the media being in lockstep to make their sales pitch sound attractive so you, you they create a plausible narrative for all the all of these changes that they're introducing but the system we're going to is designed to extract profit. It's going to massively increase the cost, either through taxation or top up private insurance. It's it, it will be in the interest of the system to over medicate, over investigate, and then dump you when you become seriously sick if you're insured. That's how insurance makes money. So you have you have a, a racket, you know, where protocols are written by people in the pocket of big pharma. You have drugs prescribed of marginal benefit. You have the polypharmacy issue. There is enough evidence now to know that this model we are following is utterly disastrous for the individual, for the economy and for society. In my view, you know, the NHS, as it was first established, which was a rational system, uh, getting the biggest bang for your buck and not being there to generate profits for other people that ethos has totally disappeared we need to renationalize the nhs and make it patient orientated and you mentioned a very good point earlier on most of chronic disease we're managing now is as a result of big food making us sick and then big pharma cashing up on our sickness we need to be looking at preventative health I go out of my way to look after my health. I don't want to be on any medication. I don't want my patients to be on any medication. But they are conditioned to want a prescription, not to look at how they can change their own life. Yeah. Can you lose weight? So, can you exercise more? Yeah. Can you eat better food? Well, well, now they give them Ozempec. They give you a drug. Uh, actually, yeah. I trained. You look a little bit younger than me. 
I, I trained uh, in 1984 and we were trained using Becker's health belief model. Anybody can Google that, Becker's health belief model. Actually, you could Google further and find out who Becker is. And I might find that uh, you, you start to go down that whole little rabbit hole of eugenics. But Becker's health belief model is that the patient has to deem the risk so great that they accept basically all care without question. Um, during that that first what we talk about lockdown, we we saw we saw the um, this document came out and untrained people were allowed to give carers were allowed to administer subcutaneous morphine, midazolam, lorazepam, fentanyl patches, and it was it was one of the COVID documents that came down from government. For doctors, as I say, good doctors, and trust me, I'm fiddling around in the bag trying to find one. There's not many. We all want to know where you are, Dr. Gill. I'd like you as my GP. Um, why Why did this happen? Why did they accept what, in effect, was population triage? Why did they accept these guidelines that many doctors, when they looked at them, said, this is going to kill? And it did. When these people have gone through med school, we're not talking about these physicians associates now, we're talking about doctors that were educated, that were, were actually generally did very well at school, very well at university. And they know about the lethal doses of drugs. Why did they follow this and not say, well, this is much higher than what we would normally give? And, um, and yeah, once you see one death, surely when you see the next patient die, and then the next patient, you've got to start thinking, these protocols are killing. Why do you think that they did that at that time? I think that there's a lot of human nature at play here. Um, you know, people are looking, as I said earlier, for leadership. Uh, when everybody else doesn't notice a problem, you start to think, well, is it just me? Am I being oversensitive? Then you've got this the problem of conditioning within the system to be obedient and not to question guidelines you know and that's happened for years so you know we're told this is a nice guideline don't worry about it we've looked at all the research trust us so there's a lot of misplaced trust on people higher up in the system um then we had project fear uh telling us covid was going to end humanity and lock yourselves away and uh, you know so we we were traumatized as a population on top of that, the medical workforce is very conditioned to be obedient. So that critical thinking part of us was switched off. Now, a lot of people don't even have that critical thinking capability. You know, if you look in, you know, the work done by Milgram, the psychologist back in the 70s, looking into how did Hitler get away with turning a well-educated, cultured population into these animals? Well, it's very simple. We have an evolutionary drive to follow leaders. 70% of us through the Milgram experiment would get would give a lethal electric shock to a unsuspecting volunteer. You know, it was all it was an experiment, but they found 70% would follow the orders of an authority figure, even if it meant killing someone. Now that is horrifying, but that is human nature. So, you, you know, this is how we are led. They know that if they can persuade us, if the authority figures are all singing from the same hymn sheet, that is extremely powerful. 
And if, and if you add on top of that mix, you understand that stepping out as a clinician saying, I'm not having any of this and jeopardizing 20, 30 years of work and to become yeah. unemployed in a time of economic hardship is a huge sacrifice to ask people to make. I'm not defending it. Um, you know, even even beyond that, let's accept the government narrative. We have this deadly pandemic, right? Hitting the population. What do the government do? They issue an instruction to general practice to shut your doors during a health crisis. On what planet did it make sense to step down primary care? Who's going to do the triage for sick people, right? Now, every GP I spoke to followed those orders. I didn't. I said, this exactly. is insane. It is. And you know what? It is. It is almost like they were trying to kill us. And you're right. That's why I have the utmost respect for you. And I don't have a lot of respect for those that followed it. We're just going to take a little uh, time out from a word from our sponsors. And I just want to tell you, um, I did get struck off and I lost over 90 percent of my income, my cash for pension to pay my mortgage. And TNT Live gave me a job. Nothing bad eventually happened to me because the Lord will always provide. So Mike, who who is responsible for me being here today, uh, wanted all of you to know that Podbean has congratulated TNT on, I can't, it's 11132000. That's why I'm not a doctor because my maths is crap. Downloads. So TNT are getting the word out there. And it's because of you guys and the sponsors that we get amazing doctors on like Dr. Gill. So please do get in the shop and get by. See you in a minute. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. According to people, the Earth's temperature, and I say people because... I don't really consider the people saying this actual scientists. They may have degrees, but since they're using temperature as a metric for climate, they don't know what they're talking about. But according to them, this has been the hottest year on record, 2023. Now, that's interesting because the world population is going over 8 billion. In fact, they're close to 70 million new people on the planet than there were back in 2022. Or put it this way, there are 70 million more. Now, I can't figure out if things are so bad, how come the population continues to increase? I mean, aren't we at a hellhole right now? Now, I realize most of you don't have degrees in meteorology, and that's fine. What we were taught at Penn State, back when Penn State used to not be a climate indoctrination school, well, maybe they're not now that Michael Mann has left and gone to the University of Pennsylvania. But we were taught that temperature is a very poor metric for climate. Wet bulb temperatures are a much better metric because, after all, water vapor is very important, right? So if you know how much energy is in the air and you know that a lot better with a wet bulb temperature, then you get a better look at it. You see, it can be hotter, but if it's drier, there's no real change in the amount of energy in the air. Better than that, though, is saturation mixing ratios. Now, this really quantifies the water vapor. So let me ask you a question. If you want to track down the source of what warming is, would you use something that doesn't correlate at all to the temperature, CO2? Or would you use something that has a direct correlation to the temperature, which is water vapor? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Our beautiful world 
is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. Telling it as it is. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're listening to me, Kate Shimarani, Natural Nurse in a Toxic World for TNT Live. Well, we have uh, an amazing guest on, um, a doctor who I absolutely respect, Dr. Bob Gill. And we're talking about what happens to you as whistleblowers. Uh, I lost my registration, not that I wanted it, but um, it can be very daunting to tell the truth. So just remember, folks, that uh, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and the 21st in the High Court to determine whether he will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. Julian Assange is each and every one of us. He told the truth. So please do get yourself up to the High Court, 20th, 21st of February, because many people now are telling the truth about what they are seeing. And many people are not because they are totally afraid. Okay, so before the break, Dr. Gill and I were discussing (laughs) the National Homicide Service and what's awaiting you, a very dangerous service full of people that do not have the education, who are ordering tests and giving drugs that they know nothing about, which could harm or kill you. The fact we don't have beds. Dr. Gill, I'm going to just say it because I'm known for just having a big gob. Um, When I was in hospital recently, um, there was a member of staff there that I couldn't even understand her, her English. She was clearly an overseas nurse. Now, we are currently having a huge drive for overseas nurses and their dependents, and they get their rent paid, and they get a big cash incentive. And I was later talking to two of these nurses on the ward, and they were telling me that they were now thinking of going to Australia Uh, now because they were moving there because it was getting too expensive for the rent here. So we are filling up. And I also had a whistleblower, a very senior nurse from a paediatric department, an A&E department in London. Members of staff had left and they'd been replaced with some overseas Indian nurses. And the other senior member of staff said, we intend to replace all of you with the overseas nurses because they do not ask questions and they do as they're told. And I find this very frightening, very, very frightening um, when they they don't know us. They're not going to be looking after us through a labor of love. They're not our relatives. They're not even our, our fellow countrymen. And I'm not being racist, folks. So get back in your boxes, settle down. I'm stating a fact here. Go and look on 
the website, the NHS, and see that they are massively recruiting overseas staff. What do you think about that, Dr. Gill? Yeah, so I suppose that the question is, why are they doing this? Um, you know, return to a point we made earlier on, there's a huge problem of retention. Um, people are leaving the NHS, they're either going abroad or they've seen so much problems unfold that they've given up nursing and, and, and medicine, right? So, and people are retiring early. So there is a problem. And how do they fix this? Well, you know, they they can speed up bringing on PAs. Uh, in nursing terms, it's become very expensive to complete nursing training. You have a system whereby they're not really interested in the person. They're not interested in the doctor or the nurse. The universities see a an income. They just want to churn people out. They're not interested in people working in the NHS or having a successful career. That's none of their business. They just want the tuition fees. And then you have the NHS hospitals who are you know, actively driving people out by keeping a lid on their wages so people can't afford to live. So you have a genuine problem. And the cheapest way to do that is to poach qualified people from other countries. Yeah. Now, you know, more than half the people doing GP training are overseas medical graduates. Uh, they have to pass an exam where they have to demonstrate they can communicate well. And a lot of them struggle with that. But, they, you know, they do go through a rigorous process in terms of nursing and language difficulties. Well, clearly the bar might be lower because the problem's so much greater. They cannot put bodies on the ground, right? So, so they have this uh, ready-made workforce who will naturally, I suspect, be more compliant because they're worried about their visa. They need to keep their head down. Um, so they will, and then they're coming into a system they don't understand. So it suits the government and the hospital's agenda to have this compliant, even more compliant workforce. And it also gives them an excuse to keep the wages down, right? So that is that is creating a whole market. And you have these intermediaries, the recruitment uh, companies, who are cashing up on this scheme. So people are people are winning across the sector. You've got the universities doing quite well. You've got the hospital executives who come up with these solutions as a you know for the problems that exist. But on, no on, on like 300, 400 grand a year. Absolutely. Salaries. So you, Massive yeah, pensions. So you can go for from running a supermarket to running a hospital, right? And the more incompetent and sociopathic, the more likely you are to succeed. So you miss psychopathic. You miss psychopathic out. They have a two or three year uh intention to stay in post and then they rotate around so they do their damage then they go on to another trust and if they've managed to hide any um corporate problems if they've managed to protect the reputation of the nhs trust that they work for at the expense of patients and relatives well often they are promoted so you have this um you know elevation of the the worst to the top um but returning to the recruitment issue, yeah, if you're if you're bringing in people with language difficulties, then you know, I would put it to you, it's better than nothing, but it's not a solution. We should be trying to retain people who've been educated here to a good standard, 
um, and not dumbing down our own intake because that's what's happening. The fundamental issue here is nobody's concerned about the quality and there are separate um, sort of profit-making entities at work here. Nobody's looking at the patient and nobody's looking at the long-term interest of the staff. If you have unhappy staff, this is exactly the situation you create. I agree. Now, I originally, um, I will eventually do it for everyone who's waiting for my website to go live. It's it's actually nearly ready, but all, all of you, of course, know that I've uh, had a very, very difficult time because my daughter um, was was very unwell and uh, it's it's kept things back. But what we've identified here, and I think you're hearing it with Dr. Gill, is there seems to be something missing. We we know what we do when we're healthy. We know what we do if we have an accident. And if we're dying, they ship us off to a hospital. They uh, give us end of life care in our home, but we don't have anywhere to heal. We have nowhere to heal because no one's teaching anyone anymore. So we need healing facilities. We need places which serves as I wasn't trained in university. We trained feet on the ground. We went to nursing school and the meals were delivered. They were uh, they were home cooked in the hospitals and delivered to the wards. The pig farmer used to come and collect the rest of the food that was left over. The food was delicious. Uh, we need actual facilities where the nurses know about food, how food is medicine. We need to start in the schools. We need to start in the families. We need nurses on the ground among their communities and back to the doctor in the community where it's his, it's in his best interest to get Bob the plumber, Eric the electrician back to health because we need his services within the community because their children go to school with the doctor's children. We need the nurses going into school and educating the young women about the most important year of a child's life is the year before it's conceived. We need a new health service like what was there originally. And before I leave this earth, that is my vision. And that is why the British Nursing Alliance will be actually there and let the government come up against me. If you are a nurse and you want a better way, British Nursing Alliance at mail.com, British Nursing Alliance at mail.com. I haven't advertised it for a while. And I intend to make sure each and every one of you is trained in nutrition. And I've got a guest coming on who runs all of those training courses. She was my practitioner, which is why I'm alive and well and sit here today. She was also my teacher when I refused chemotherapy, radiotherapy, tamoxifen, Zolodex. And I'm alive and well 12 years later and cancer free because Dr. Gill is absolutely correct. He doesn't want his patients on drugs. He wants them to be drug free. He wants to educate them on how to avoid and reverse disease. He's in a minority. He's in a minority. Dr. Gill. I've just suddenly given you several billion. The floor's all yours. You can do what you like. What are you going to do? I think the first thing I would do is look at the food system. Um, we are feeding our children junk in schools. Uh, we're feeding sick patients junk in hospitals. Um, we know chronic disease, 60% of it is lifestyle related. So that would be the, you know, the most cost effective intervention. I'd ban junk food advertising on TV. Um, I'd ratchet up 
uh, I'd put extra taxes on processed foods and I'd subsidize the good stuff. Um, I don't want people to get ill in the first place. But what we're seeing is an explosion of diabetes, explosion of obesity, explosion of mental health problems. These can all be prevented. I don't want people coming to me with a problem that I could see coming down the road four or five years ago. And, you know, in my own practice, if I get a new patient who's newly diagnosed with diabetes, I say there are two paths you can go down. You can come to me and feel like a helpless soul and get more and more drugs and carry on with your bad habits, or we can reverse your diabetes. Where do you want to go? And, you know, the people who've taken it on board, we've seen dramatic results. They've done all the hard work. I've just pointed them in the right direction and given them the right resources. They reverse their diabetes and they're very proud of themselves and they're happy and I'm happy. But the protocols and our leaders are saying, don't bother with that. Just put them on all these expensive drugs. So we have a patient for the next 10, 20 years that we, we can maximize profit out of. That's not the type of medicine I'm interested in. Fantastic. Dr. Bob Gill, you are a legend. Dr. Bob Gill for health minister. Um, that's exactly what we want. And I have... I'm going to say it again, deepest respect for you. Amazing. And thank you so much for coming on TNT Radio Live. In Chinese communes and cantons, doctors were paid to keep their population healthy, to keep costs down. I think uh, so you can slag the Chinese off all you like, but they have the same idea as what Bob, Dr. Bob Gill has got now. If you've got... Um, if you've got any ideas of what, what you think you should do, maybe you want to be a nurse, but you feel you haven't got the, the education. <laughs> you don't really want to go and be an a physician associate. Maybe you want to email me, at mail.com. Maybe you want to be trained and live among your communities as a British Nursing Alliance nurse. You won't be wearing scrubs and you won't be fat and overweight. I'll sort you out. I'll send you to Dr. Gill. You'll be wearing a British Nursing Alliance uniform in the future. We will make this happen. Thank you so much because you're listening to the best place that you could come on a Saturday, TNT Live. You've heard Dr. Bob Gill telling you about the appalling state of what was the NHS, which doesn't exist anymore. And he's come right out and said it. Clearly, uh, he's nobody's monkey boy. You know, he's not, he's a true patient advocate and he doesn't sadly look 25. He looks a bit older than that. And when he retires, it will be a great loss. So keep listening to us, hear it all here. And hopefully Dr. Gill will have amazing things in the future, training up other young doctors. You've been listening to me in the natural nurse army, fellas, get ejaculating. Get zinc down your throat, get some Sal Palmetto, get some loose pants, and Prince Charles's prostate will not find you no matter where you hide, ever. Um, have a wonderful weekend, Dr. Gill. Have a wonderful weekend. Catman, the producer, have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you all next week with some more beautiful guests on TNT Live. Until then, next week, another jacket. 